Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. So glad to see you on this three-day weekend. So we're actually finishing up our series, Fighting the Fear of Missing Out. And uh, really the best way to do that, that if you have anxiety, that there are things going on that uh, you're missing out on, uh, it's a good idea to keep working toward goals that are important, right? Focusing on things that are more important than those other things you might feel you're missing out on. I was thinking about that uh, this week, and I was reminded uh, of a, a road trip my son and I took in uh, June of 2019. Uh, the destination for our road trip was Cedar Point. It's an amusement park in Ohio. More specifically, the goal was to ride uh, one particular roller coaster uh, and others too, right? We weren't just going to ride one ride, but it was to ride Millennium Force. That was the point. We're going to drive all the way to Ohio to ride a roller coaster. Uh, when the roller coaster opened in 2000, uh, it was the tallest, fastest roller coaster anywhere. 310 feet tall and a top speed of 93 miles per hour. And uh, I'll, I'll just tell you, it lived up to the hype, right? So it was worth driving to Ohio for. They, they said, you know, because it was just all that, they came up with a new category. They called it a giga coaster. So, so like this was it. And so we left, uh, after church on father's day, uh, that year we were going to drive basically two and a half days and we were going to be in the park riding roller coasters on Wednesday. Now here's the thing. We didn't stop in the Rockies to look at the sights. We didn't stop in Omaha to see where the Little League World Series was played. We didn't even take a slight detour in Chicago to get a slice of deep dish pizza. You know why? We weren't tourists in Colorado or Nebraska or Illinois. We're actually, we're just passing through, getting to the goal, the, the whole point. We were guys going to ride roller coasters. Does that mean we didn't enjoy the trip? Well, well, of course we did, right? So Cracker Barrel in St. George, barbecue in Lincoln. There was a lot of food involved on this road trip. Uh, we, in addition to Millennium Force, we took on Steel Vengeance. Good one, too, by the way. Just letting you know, if you're ever in Ohio, it's worth it. Um, then afterward, we left and we kept driving east and we went to Gettysburg and Philadelphia, right? Independence Hall. Not the one at Knott's Berry Farm, like the real one. Uh, 
Washington, D.C., the White House, the, uh, the Capitol building, Arlington National Cemetery, right? We did those things too, but that was like icing, right? It was icing to the coaster that we intended to ride. You see, we didn't feel like we missed out on anything else because we had a goal that we were moving toward, and that was it. That was, in fact, the second day, uh, full day driving, Tuesday. As we were driving, I'm like, I don't feel good. And so my son, Stephen, he's like, I'll drive a bit more. I can do it. I'll get us there. And I'm like, we can just stop here and get a hotel, and maybe I'll feel better tomorrow. And he's like, no, <laughs> I'm going to keep driving. We're going to get there. And, uh, and we did. You see, the, the fear of missing out, you fight that by having a goal that matters. Now, okay, roller coasters may not be your thing. I get it. And that's all right. There are some things that matter way more than roller coasters. I was asked the first Sunday of this series if uh, FOMO, right, the, the fear of missing out, is it ever a good thing? Can it be positive, right? Because it's a fear, right? Fear is fear good, right? Didn't Jesus come that we might like conquer fear and not be afraid? Yeah. But can it be a good thing? And, and I think so. Uh, first of all, a valid fear of missing out, right? Valid is missing out on something good or worthwhile or healthy, uh, right? So valid fear of missing out may be appropriate motivation for positive change in behavior and habits. That, that there are things you know you ought not do anymore, right? There's things that, that, that just aren't healthy, uh, there are places you know you shouldn't go, or, or maybe there's some things you really should be doing. And so that fear of missing out on something good might be the appropriate motivation. And so really what we're talking about is comparing two things. If I do this, I don't do that. And if I don't do that, this is then what I have time to do. And so it's the difference between delayed or instant gratification, right? So, so here's the thing that I want to do. I might need to delay that gratification because there's something more important that I'm going to choose instead, right? So parents of small children know this well. If you don't eat your vegetables, you don't get dessert. All right. So what I really want to do is just get up and run. I don't want to eat the green vegetables on the plate. But if I do that, then I don't get dessert. And I know what dessert is. Or if you want to have some screen time, you're going to need to get your homework done first. Or clean your room or whatever, right? When you have a goal in mind, it's easier to say no to other things. Right? Because that's the goal. That's the most important thing. That's what's healthy and I need to work toward. And so I'm going to say no to other things. I'm going to say no to going to the movies because I have homework to do. Well, wait a minute. So, 
So I said no to the instant gratification of going to the movies and kind of tuning out and being entertained to do homework. Is homework the goal? Probably not. Now, it's something you have to do, but homework isn't the goal. In fact, you do well on homework so that you do well on tests, but the tests aren't the goal either, right? Well, what's the goal? There's kind of layers of goals. There's the big goal. I I tell my students this way, that they're in my class not to do well on a test to get the A, although that's the point. And they're not just getting the, the A on my class so that they can check a box on their Uh, They're general ed because they tend to not be math majors. And the reason that they check the box is so that they can get the degree to eventually get a job. But I even go a step further and say, that's not why you're here. The reason they're in my class is so they'll learn something at some point they can put into practice in which to serve God better. Now, If that's the case, and that's going to be true of a lot of things, if that's our end goal, we're going to do this, learn this, practice this, so that we are better equipped to serve God, then there's going to be some places in there, steps I'm going to have to take, things I'm going to have to do and learn, so that when that time comes, I am better equipped to serve God. So I'm going to have to say no to some things that I might otherwise want to do right then. So that at that time, when that moment comes, I can serve God better. That's going to be our goal. So keeping that goal in mind, right? Now we just went from, I want to do well on the test to now I'm in a position to serve God the best I can, right? It's a really big goal and so we're going to have to put some sub-goals in that to make it attainable. Okay, so that's why I, we work backward from that to, all right, you got you to get a job someday. You got to get a degree with your degree. That's how you get the job. To get the degree, you got to pass these classes. You want to pass them with good grades and so on, right? So we work backward to help them now go, okay, so I said all of that to say your homework's due on Friday. And make sure you get it done and do well. Because ultimately, that all builds on top of your homework to doing well so that that day comes and you're in the best position you can be to serve God. So what is the goal for us? Right? What's our goal? Right? That's what I tell my students. What about us? Day in and day out, what's the goal? How are we going to choose what to do and what not to do? Right, If we're going to leverage this fear of missing out, missing out on good things, being equipped to serve God better, how do we leverage that then? Well, let's look at Paul's letter to the Christians in Rome. So this is Romans chapter 8, and I'll start reading in verse 29. Uh, Paul wrote, for those whom he foreknew... He also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that we might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. 
This is um, called the unbreakable chain of Romans 8. So unbreakable because uh, once the first starts, the end is guaranteed. Glorification is guaranteed if you go all the way back to the beginning when he foreknew them and predestined them. Now, bring up this, these verses now on purpose. Because you can see that if this is the goal, this is where we're going, then here's the steps that it's going to happen. It illustrates that, uh, that for us, our life in Christ is, is built on setting goals and working through those. Uh, so specifically, what is it that we don't want to miss that would be instrumental in our lives to help us be better equipped to serve God? So what are these things? So specifically, I have three that I'm going to start with here. And uh, they do come, at least in part, out of Romans. Uh, first of all, uh, we don't want to miss salvation. So there are going to be things that you're going to say no to in order to say yes to Christ and his work in your life unto salvation, right? I don't know exactly what those are going to be. Now, we're not just saying kind of in a legalistic way that if you say no to this, then you get heaven. If you say no to this, you get salvation, right? I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, there are going to be certain things that, based on that, just the reality that you have to say no to, right? There's going to be some areas in your life that you're going to go, you know what? I used to do this. I'm not doing that anymore. Uh, for me, the thing that changed right away when I first made a decision to follow Christ was the words I used. Uh, all kinds of things that, that, that I would say words I would use that I was convicted of. I can't use those words anymore, right? Inappropriate language, jokes, all kinds of things that I went, man, that can't be a part of my life anymore. But that was kind of part of my character. That was how people knew me. I was the guy cutting up and making rude jokes. Well, okay, I can't do that anymore because God's at work in me. So we're going to choose things that, that need to be set aside because we're moving toward Christ, we're called to salvation, right? Those whom he foreknew, he predestined. He uses the word in Romans there of justified. Justified is the fancy word. It's a legal term. It basically means that you are now in a just or right position. In your relationship with God, you're declared just. Now, does that mean you're innocent? No. In fact, it's the exact opposite for us that in our relationship with God, we recognize ourselves as sinners and guilty. But being declared just means the penalty has been paid. It's been paid by somebody else, not by us. In fact, we acknowledge that we're guilty and that we deserve judgment. But God paid the price. He paid with his son who died on the cross to pay that price for us. Salvation. The second one is sanctification. 
right? So these are big words. I put them in there on purpose uh, because they're scriptural words. Sanctification, if you notice the root there is uh, that sanctify. That means holy. That's all it is. Holy means set aside for a purpose. So sanctification is a process by which you are growing in your understanding of what it means to be called by God a Christian. Right? That if I am a Christian, I'm growing in Christ-likeness. I'm learning the things I should do and things I shouldn't do and how to be. And, and I'm just so grateful that I've been at this for, for 30 years or so. And thankful that God didn't leave me the way I was 30 years ago. Because I was kind of a jerk. Now, people who knew me then didn't think I was a jerk. But I know I was. Uh, and so, I'm better off. Sanctification means to be conformed to the image of his son, learning, growing, and maturing in the faith. And then the third one that we don't want to miss out on is the last one that Paul mentions in Romans 8 at the end of verse 30. He says, and those whom he justified, he also glorified. Again, fancy word that basically says, this is heaven. In heaven is glory. Glorification doesn't happen this side of heaven. It's what happens in heaven. Paul understood these principles well. If you keep your eyes firmly on the goal, right? Here's where we're going. If you keep your eyes on that, then you have a a path to follow. Paul specifically said... Uh, Well, let me read it. Uh, Philippians 3, verse 13 and 14. Here's what he said. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining toward what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So there's this picture of Paul as he lives his life going, there's this stuff behind me, right? That's my past. And he goes, I I forget that. It it doesn't mean like literally forget. It means I'm not living back there anymore. Because there's some people that do that. They're living their life facing backward, moving this way, but they're looking that way. You know what happens when you do that, right? You trip on stuff. He's like, no, I don't do that. I'm facing this way. I'm moving that way. There's where I'm going, I learn from that, but I don't live back there anymore, right? So regret is this idea that, that I, I so feel bad for what I've done in the past that I'm still living in the past instead of, okay, I'm not regretting it. I'm learning from it. That's that process that God worked in you to make you who you are today. You learn from that. Paul had a lot in his past. If anyone had grounds for regret, it was Paul. Paul was a persecutor of the church. The first time we see him, he is standing over Stephen being murdered. 
basically killed with rocks. And in the book of Acts, it records it as giving approval. How about the first time you were introduced to people? That's what was said of you. Right? There's Stephen getting murdered. Saul standing there going, looks good to me. That's the same guy standing there giving approval. He says, look, forgetting about that. I'm not living in regret of what I did. I learned from that. He says, look, I'm straining forward for what lies ahead. Can you go, I'll learn from the past and I so desire where God is calling me in the future that I'm straining toward it. You feel like you're straining towards something in the future? How about this? People that are excited about what God is going to do in them strain. Right? If God has a plan for you, you, you can't wait for it. Right? There's a reason that on that day, driving through Colorado, I didn't even mention this, it was pouring rain the whole time. Driving through Colorado to get to Ohio, we just kept going. I felt very much like we're straining. I just want to go home. But my son kept saying, I just want to ride a roller coaster. Okay. (laughs) Straining towards something, pushing through. We're going to do this because God has a plan. So there it is. Focus on your God-given goals to fight the fear of missing out. Now, here's the key. These are God-given goals. That's very different than self-focused goals. Right? Well, I've got goals. No, I've got God-given goals. Those are the ones I strain toward. (laughs) These change Uh, very much. Our understanding of the goals we have for ourselves change when you understand them in light of God and what he desires to do in your life. I was thinking about this this week. There's a house around the corner from mine and they have really nice cars. (laughs) And... I, I don't know why. I haven't met the people personally. I just drive by and I look in their driveway and their garage every time I go by because I want to see what they've got. So one time I went by and there was a, uh, there was a Lamb- Lamborghini in the driveway. Um, another time, the one that's there most often is a Maserati. But I've been by there and there was a Bentley one time. And I'm like, I, right? So I could look at that and go, maybe that's my goal. Right? Okay, I don't even need that. Maybe, you know, just a Corvette or something. No, I I don't even need that. Why? Because that's not my goal. It's not that a nice car is not, there's anything wrong with that. In fact, it's fine. So that doesn't have to be the goal for your life, though. So straining toward something that matters. Paul uses a metaphor talking about this. This is in 1 Corinthians 9, 
starting in verse 24. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run? That sounds like a race. All the runners run, but not, but only one receives the prize, right? So pushing on, he says, so we're running the race and the running, all of them are running, but only one to win the prize. He says, so run that you may obtain it. Verse 25, every athlete exercises self-control in all things, denying instant gratification because they have a goal, right? If you're an athlete, you have to watch what you eat. You have to exercise all of those things so that the day of the competition, you can be successful. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath. That, that was a very specific prize. If you're the winner, you get the wreath, right? He says, they do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. There's something more that lasts, and it's imperishable. Verse 26, just the first part of that verse, he says, so do not run aimlessly. Have a goal. You're not just running to get somewhere. Have a goal. This life, which is much more a marathon than a sprint. Right? You set a goal. Paul wrote that it's a race. And if we are to run it, we run it to win a prize. Now, we've already talked about some of those prizes, right? Salvation, sanctification, glorification. We're to keep running the race toward those goals. And so maybe another way to think about it, focusing on your calling is a healthy response to a fear of missing out, right? So if there's times when you have that anxiety that you're missing out on something, if you focus on your calling, what God has called you to, salvation, sanctification, glorification. Maybe it's something very specific. Uh, we often hear people that talk about their calling to ministry, but I always get really excited when people talk about their calling to some other profession, right? I'm called to teach. I'm called to be an engineer. I am called to fill in the blank, right? I'm called to that. And I use that to uh, serve God. You keep that in mind. You keep pushing toward that goal. Instead of getting distracted by other things, we're to focus on our calling, and that makes it that much easier than to say no to instant gratification, right? I can delay gratification because I know there's something better out there, right? It, it would be like someone coming up to you on the street and saying, I will give you $100 today, or I will give you $1,000 Next month. Well, that one seems pretty easy, right? $1,000 or $100 today? 
I don't really need the $100. I'm okay. You see, the comparison between the $100 and $1,000 seems pretty broad, right? That seems like an easy answer. But, but we're talking about something fairly instant and transient that, that doesn't last compared to eternal life in Christ Jesus. It's so much easier to say no to some other things, to say yes to that. So calling, um, I've got two different ones here. First of all, calling to do good. That's in Micah 6, 8, uh, verse that might be familiar. He has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you, but that you do justice, you love kindness, and you walk humbly with your God. You focus on that justice, kindness, and the translation I have it memorized is mercy, right? So thinking of others being kind to them, representing God that way. And he says humility with God. Uh, That's a tough one because when you think you've got it figured out, it, it tends to come out of you and it doesn't sound humble. Yeah, that, that's one of those, you got to check yourself. And then, uh, so called to do good, and then, and then called to proclaim Jesus, right? We're called to proclaim what God has done in our lives and what he desires to do in others. So I would share Mark 16, uh, 15 and 16. He said to them, go into all the world, proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. But whoever does not believe will be condemned, right? That's was to all Christians. Here's what you're supposed to do. Go into the world and proclaim the good news, the gospel, so that people can respond. He says the response is up to them. One of, uh, one of the things I learned, uh, my, my doctorate is basically my project is in evangelism. And the thing, as I did research in evangelism, it was very much this. Most people think of evangelism as, as what the other person and how they respond. Yet, biblically, evangelism is never that. Evangelism is always Christians being Christians, proclaiming the good news, and then trusting the results to God. It's always been that. But we focus on the end result instead of us doing our job. We need to make sure we're doing that. Uh, if maybe some of this is new to you today, then uh, I'm going to encourage you to uh, maybe pray through it. I have some next steps to help you with that. Uh, first of all, my next step today is to reflect on my future goals. Right? Where, where am I going? What am I called to? Uh, what does God have for me? And then align them with the calling that God has for me. Right? If, if here's what I, I plan on doing in the future, does that align with what God has called me to do? Then maybe that's going to mean making some changes. Or maybe it's just confirmation. This is what God has called me to do. I know for me, first time I did this, I I changed my major, I changed my my career goals because I went, this is not what God has called me to do. Well, I don't expect all of you to do that. Uh, But what what makes sense for every believer is to continually ask, God, what do you want me to do? 
How can I better do it? How can I better serve you? And then the, the second one there, my next step today is to trust Jesus as my Savior for the first time. Right? If you haven't done that. And, and I, w- I would add, if you're like, well, I've been a Christian, but I've gotten off track. You can add to that and say, well, I've, I've trusted Jesus, but I haven't been living like it. I need to get right. And then I left the last one blank there. So you can fill in. Here's what I got out of this. And here's what I'm going to do because of it. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that you are gracious to us. That there are certainly things that go on around us that, that uh, we might want to get involved in. We feel called to. Uh, uh, we might feel like we're missing out of. Father, all of those things, as important as we might think they are at times, those things are not near as important as knowing who you are, of trusting you, of growing in our knowledge and understanding and service to you. Father, help us to proclaim your good news, to commit to Uh, living our lives as an act of worship. And Father, if maybe there's some areas in our life where we need to make some changes, right? Not understanding our goals, not understanding what we've been called to, and we want to get those things right. Help us to do that. Maybe if we don't know where to start, that, that maybe that's the step we need to make, that, that today's the day I, I, I talk to someone, I talk to uh, a ministry leader, and say, here's what I'm thinking. Help me with this. And maybe it's, it's getting involved in one of the community groups. Serving on a team. Whatever it is. It would be faithful. We want to honor you and proclaim your good news. That, that then people can respond. But how will they be able to respond unless someone tells them? Help us to be the one who tells. We thank you for Jesus. His name we pray. Amen.